God gave us intellect, didn't he? Now our intellect can also create pride, so we have to make sure we still realize the smartest person ever is still ridiculously ignorant compared to a God who knows everything. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. Hi, welcome to In Grace. I'm Jim Scudder, and today we are going to be talking more about Jesus in our study of his life. We've gone through uh, him coming, his uh, his life, his healings, the miracles, just the the kindness and the love that he exhibited in his life. And then the greatest act of love was the creator being nailed to a cross to pour out his blood for the creature that he created. It is an incredible story of love. And Jesus rose again. And that's where we're at right now in our story of Jesus is the resurrection, uh, the appearances of Christ. And today's title is His Scars of Love, because he offers his scars to Thomas. And we're going to look at that today and tomorrow and talk about the many infallible proofs, as Acts 1 tells us in verse 3, of all of the appearances that he made in the 40 days after his resurrection before his ascension. So I'm excited about this today. The resurrection is everything and we can prove it historically, but it's more important that we know him personally. The resurrected savior is my savior. And if you don't know that, please pay attention very carefully to the end of of today's program. Uh, We're also wanting to let you know that on Friday for our Friday and weekend edition of In Grace, we're going to be featuring a very dramatic story of Claire Caldwell. Claire was aborted or attempted to be aborted along with a twin before she was uh, born. And uh, she tells us her story and a very, uh, of course, pro-life story. And we uh, recorded that at the opening of a brand new display at the Creation Museum uh, for life in uh, in uh, Kentucky. So uh, look forward to that and, and make a note to make sure you hear that very special program. And then also we want to mention that we would love for you to consider going to Alaska with In Grace. We have a great creation speaker. His name's Bruce Malone. After a day of seeing the, the beauty, the animals, the glaciers, he'll be there to explain it all to us in a scientific but understandable way. I'll be there to uh, give insight into uh, the things of God and uh, worship with you. And then we have Majesty Music joining us. It'll be a wonderful wonderful cruise, seven-day cruise to Alaska this July. And if you'd like more information, go to our website, ingraceradio.com. Click on travel. We're nearing the end of our series, The Story of Jesus. It's one of those things that we've been in so long that I uh, really, I'm not sure what to do next, right? Uh, It's been one of those great studies because every time we're in the series, we're learning more about Jesus. And that's everything. I mean, he's everything. Not only did he die and rise again, but he is involved in our lives today. And he cares deeply about what's going on in our lives and we're to be like him. And so I think one of the best things that we can do is to study him, to know the way he acted, reacted, the things that he said, how he said things. And will we ever be exactly like him on this side of heaven? Unfortunately, no. 
but we can get closer and closer and closer and closer. We can be more and more like Christ every day. And that should be the Christian life, right? That should be what our hearts are yearning for. But sometimes we, we have issues in life, don't we? Sometimes there are hard things that come in and there's tragedies that come and we get scarred. We get injured and usually that heals, but we always have that scar, don't we? It could be emotional, it could be physical. When I was 11 years old, I was with my parents, my sister. We had gone away to Rockford to meet the Julian family that we had a lot of uh, close connections with. Uh, They were at another church out that way in uh, Northwest Illinois. And so every now and then we'd go out and hang out with them and our parents would talk and talk and talk and all of us kids uh, would enjoy the pool and just have a fun time. We went out to pizza and it was really, really good pizza, I remember, because I got to enjoy it twice, if you know what I'm trying to say. Because I got really sick that night and I just remember it was just one of those times, I mean, I'm only 11, but man, was I sick. And I didn't get any compassion from Paul, Joy, Julie, or Mark. I remember them, you know, I'm really, really sick, and I remember them dangling potato chips in front of my face. Do you want potato chips? No. So we all thought it was the flu. Somebody else had had the flu. Well, I didn't get any better. Got home, still sick. I got really, really, really sick one night. And then I felt better the next day. So like something happened, I felt better. And I'm like, finally, whatever this was is over. And that lasted for just a few hours. And then I got laid down. I was so sick after that. Was brought into an urgent care by my parents. And they said, immediately get him to the hospital. And I got to the hospital and they said, you have a ruptured appendix. And I think nowadays they treat it a lot differently. But back then, it was like, you're going straight into surgery. And, you know, I'm 11. I'd never had any broken bones or any problems, never been to the hospital. And so there I go, wheeled into the hospital. I remember the anesthesiologist saying, okay, I want you to count to 10. I remember counting one, and that's it. The best sleep I've ever had in my life. I've got to find out where they get that stuff. Woke up and the pain was there and found out that uh, they had to remove what was left of the ruptured appendix. And I'm not sure if they do this anymore, but at least in my day, in my day, like I'm so old, right? In my day, I mean, at that time, at least they left the wound open. They didn't sew me up and they left a tube I had a tube in my nose. I'm, I'm really grossing everybody out right now. I'm just trying to tell you the story. I had a tube down my nose to pump out the poison and stuff. And then I also had a tube in the incision. And I think it was like that for at least several days. And I was laying there and they said, well, you almost died. The infection was so bad. I guess that night that I had nightmares and I was sleepwalking was, they said, when it ruptured. And then I felt better until the poison spread throughout my body. And so they said, you're very fortunate to have survived this. But all I remember was the intense pain of the incision, especially when it was open. And if I coughed, if I sneezed, or if I laughed, it was torture. 
And a lot of funny things happen when you're 11. Like somebody bought me a remote control car and I'd never had anything like it. We didn't have much money and so we didn't have a lot of stuff, but somebody bought me a remote control car and I was driving around from the bed and it went under the other bed and no one was in the other bed, fortunately. My sister went down to get it and she crawls under the bed and she's not coming back out and I hear her scream. My hair stuck in the bed. It was the funniest thing in my entire life that I couldn't laugh at. And I'm crying. I'm crying because I want to laugh so bad, but it hurts so bad. Uh, so finally she got out. I don't even know how they had cut her hair or something. And they had already put the stitches in, but they hadn't tied them together. So one day the doctor walks in. I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, okay, hold them down. So they pulled together the incision. It just felt like a searing pain and a searing burn. I tell you all that to tell you this, that when you have something like that happen to you, it leaves a pretty bad scar. And that's a scar that I believe I will have for the rest of my life, but I do believe there's a day when I will receive a glorified body that will not have that scar. We're gonna talk about scars of love today. Scars of love. There is one that I believe still bears scars. And we're going to talk about that once we get to that part of the story of Jesus. But what we're going to do is look at Acts. You say, oh, I thought we were looking at the Gospels. And we are, but Acts actually contains part of what we're wanting to talk about. And Dr. Luke, the author of Acts, writes... This in Acts 1.1, the former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. And that's going to be the last part of our series when Jesus ascends into heaven. By the way, the story doesn't end there because he's coming back to that very same spot. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. What were the commandments? We're going to talk about that. Go ye into all the world. One person that we malign when we talk about him, even to this day, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, did give his life because he took the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're going to get to that as well. Verse 3, to whom also he showed himself, this is Jesus, alive. That's what we're talking about again here, that Jesus showed himself alive after his passion, after the crucifixion and the resurrection by many infallible proofs. I love those three words. Many infallible proofs. We don't have to be ignorant to be a Christian. You don't have to uh, throw away your brain to be a Christian. As a matter of fact, God gave us intellect, didn't he? Now, our intellect can also create pride, so we have to make sure we still realize the smartest person ever is still ridiculously ignorant compared to a God who knows everything. I mean, let's say the smartest person you've ever met, what percentage of things knowable does he know or she know? Probably a she. 0.0001, maybe? percent of all things knowable 
but God knows all things, right? So that's where we have to keep it in perspective. But we don't have to think that Christians have to be like put your head in the sand type of people. Jump off a cliff. Just believe. No, there's many infallible proofs. And those many infallible proofs are the appearances after the resurrection. Being seen of them, we continue in Acts 1, 3, 40 days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So that's the part of our series that we're in now. We're in those 40 days we're in the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. And his appearances made all the difference. It changed this frightened group of cowards into the most mighty men of God that the world has ever seen. The Bible says that they turned the world upside down. That's literally what it says. That's where we get that term. What changed? The resurrection, they saw a risen Jesus. So the last time we learned that a group of women and Peter and John had been witnesses of an empty tomb. And to me, that's a huge proof of the resurrection as well. You have to account for the empty tomb. We learned that Jesus started to make a number of appearances. The first was to Mary Magdalene. Why did he appear to her? Well, I think it was because she cared enough to go. And I also think it was because Jesus is breaking stereotypes. And although women weren't considered as reliable witnesses as men, he appears to her as the first witness because she is a reliable witness. And women are reliable witnesses. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder Jr. How old is the earth? Did Noah's flood really happen? If you're wrestling with the answers to these questions, look no further than InGrace's exciting video series, A Walk Through Creation, where Jim Scudder walks through the amazing Creation Museum in Northern Kentucky with answers in Genesis founder, Ken Ham. Together, they discuss how modern science actually backs up truths found in scripture. This incredible series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. And when your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, a tour of Noah's Ark with Bodie Hodge and Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to gain a deeper understanding of the young earth creation perspective. To get this limited time offer, call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. So he's breaking bread, and it was in that that they suddenly realized, this is Jesus. This person we've been with this whole time, this is Jesus. And their eyes were open. Verse 31 of Luke 24, and they knew him, and then he vanished out of their sight. That, I think, is one of the most wonderful aspects of the glorified body. I hope we get that exact body I think we'll eat and not gain weight. Amen? Okay. I think we can come and go. That would be kind of fun too, wouldn't it? And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened us the scriptures? Oh, I hope your heart burns and yearns for the things that Jesus can teach you through the spirit of God that indwells you. 
I hope you have that love and passion for Christ and he's everything to you and he's God and he can teach you all of these things that are mysterious to you. He can teach you these things. The spirit of God can. And verse 33, it continues, and they rose up the same hour. Remember, they had gotten to their destination. It was near evening. They had eaten their meal. You don't ever walk on these roads at night, but they, the same hour, returned to Jerusalem. They couldn't stay. They couldn't sit still because they, with their own eyes and with their own ears, had met the risen Savior. So they returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 gathered together and them that were with them, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Okay, so I believe those that are saying the Lord has risen, he appeared to Simon, are some of the 11. Now, we don't read about this in any other place except one. And who is this Simon? Well, it's Peter, Simon Peter. His name was Simon. Jesus changed his name to Peter. And here we learn that Jesus appeared to Simon Peter. We don't really know any more detail about it, but it was another appearance of Jesus. But we do remember that Paul mentioned it in his first letter to the Corinthians when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, these words, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, that also ye have received wherein ye stand. This is one of the most declarative passages in the Bible about the gospel. If you want to know what is the gospel, what is it that will save me from hell to heaven? What is it that I need to share with other people to help them understand salvation? Here it is. Paul is saying, by which also ye are saved, I was saved, you are saved by this gospel, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Here it is. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. That's the first part of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He didn't die to show us how to die. He didn't live to show us how to live. He came to die for our sins. He became sin on the cross. We explain maybe who Christ is. We explain maybe what sin is, but it's that simple. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was what? Buried. You don't bury living people, do you? So burial is proof that he died and that he rose again the third day. What's proof of the resurrection? It says according to the scriptures, so the scriptures predicted it, but what's proof of the resurrection? What's the greatest proof? What's the many infallible proofs that we just read in Acts? It's that he was seen of Cephas, and that's another name for Peter, okay? So we have two places where it says that Jesus appeared to Peter, but we don't get any detail of that appearance. We just hear that he appeared to Peter. We know later, and next time we'll discuss it, where Jesus appeared to seven of them up on the Sea of Galilee. They had gone back to fishing, I'm not sure exactly why they did that, but we're going to study that and figure that out. But he took the time then to restore Peter three times, as Peter had denied him three times. But he had made an appearance previous to that, I think, a special thing just for Peter, because Peter was the leader, wasn't he, of this group of the 11, now without Judas Iscariot. So he was seen of Cephas, then of the 12. After that, he was seen of above 500 Brethren at once. So all of these appearances are proof of the resurrection. 
and the one of them was to Peter, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. So when Paul was writing this to the Corinthians, he's saying, listen, what I'm telling you, you can still go ask people about it and they'll tell you the truth. 500 people saw him, 11 people saw him, Peter saw him, these two on the road to Emmaus, Mary Magdalene, these other women, uh, he appeared, you know, all of these different times and all these different places. Some people say he really didn't raise from the dead, they were just hallucinating. They just thought he did. You don't hallucinate uh, in different places and different people in different groups. So these are proofs of the resurrection, and that's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again the third day. It's that simple. If you believe that, if you'll trust in him, you'll be saved. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me. So Paul actually saw the resurrected Jesus, but it was after the ascension. It was a special appearance on the road to Damascus that Paul was on. Paul was against the Christians against Jesus, trying to kill them and arrest them. And he saw the light, he saw Jesus, and he believed as well. He said, and last of all was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So let's go back to the upper room and read more about this. This is extraordinary. This is incredible <laughs> as, as Jesus was appearing. So these two disciples go to Emmaus, they eat with Jesus, they realize who he is, they come back, in the evening, and now they come to the upper room, and it says in Luke 24, 35, and they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself, <laughs> this is so cool, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. He just appears in this gathering and saith unto them, peace be unto you. <laughs> You know, they still weren't understanding. They still weren't getting it. And there he is. And so what do they do? Well, they're afraid. He says, peace be unto you. You think if Jesus appears and says, peace be unto you, would you still be afraid? We probably would, right? Because it's an unusual thing. and We're not really ready for it. But they were terrified, it says in verse 37, and affrighted, another wonderful old English word, affrighted. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, I love this about Jesus. He doesn't bash them. He doesn't call them idiots, although he could. He's patient. And we'll pause it right there. We'll pick it up tomorrow talking about the scars of love and Jesus offering patiently offering his scars for Thomas and others to see and to even feel. And I love that about God is he is uh, slow to anger. Uh, we need to be respectful and reverent, but also know that uh, he's loving and kind and, and he wants us to come toward him. And uh, that happens first in faith, to put your trust in Jesus as your savior. And then a walk, a close walk with him is the only way that we'll be able to please him in our lives. Right before we go, I'm so excited about our offer for this month. We were able to do a creation museum tour with Ken Ham at the beautiful creation museum there in 
the Cincinnati area. And so we'd like to offer that to you. It's called A Walk Through Creation with Ken Ham. And that's for a gift of any amount to Ingrace. Your gift makes sure more people hear the gospel. And then you get this great video or a digital download, DVD, whichever one you want. And if your gift is $35 or more, I've got a four-part series on the full-size Ark in Kentucky with Bodie Hodge, that's Ken's son-in-law, and also a great two-part series on dinosaurs uh, and a dinosaur dig. It's called Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. You're going to get all three of these powerful video series that will really help you fall in love more and more and more with the Creator. Give us a call at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. You can also mail us at ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Don't forget to get the video series, A Walk Through Creation with Ken Ham, for your gift of any amount. When your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, a tour of Noah's Ark and dinosaurs that destroy evolution. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at Ingrace P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.